Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for listening today, and today we're joined by Pastor Billy Logan. Pastor Billy, how are you doing today? Great. Excited. Thanks for having me on here today. And uh, Pastor Billy is uh, joining us today to share his testimony. Pastor Billy, I always start off with this question just to give people a little bit of background. Uh, tell us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Yeah, so um, I grew up in a small town in Kentucky. Uh, it's only about a five-hour drive from here, but um, called Greenup, Kentucky, in the Ohio River Valley. And um, grew up in the Church of the Nazarene. So I've been in the Church of the Nazarene from as long as I can remember. My parents took us there um, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. Um, my family grew up in that area, but my grandparents, um, a lot of aunts and uncles, cousins. So I always had family around me growing up. I grew up with an older sister, two years older than me. And then when I was seven years old, my parents had another little girl, so had a younger sister. So I'm the middle of three sisters on both sides. And, um, yeah. Uh, How was that? How was that being um, the guy in the middle, sister on both sides? How was that growing up? My older sister and I were pretty close um, because we had each other. We were two years apart, so we grew up... um, pretty close and um i shared a lot of birthday parties early on but you know when you're a kid you don't really care that's right um but yeah it was different uh when we were seven and nine years old and another little one came in at the picture uh but it was a joy to have a little sister Uh, the dynamics were always different obviously in relationship with her just being so far apart in age but We've grown closer as the years have gone on and here recently. Yeah. But yeah, I I was the only boy, so that helped even though I was the middle child. That's right. That's right. So I had three older brothers, and I came along five years after my brothers. And um, so I know what it's like to be the little sister of older siblings. So I'm glad to hear that you've gotten closer, and I have too over the years. Um, I just remember sometimes I was a little bit of a nuisance and wanted to tag along to everything with my brothers. Did you have things like that? I would say that um, my younger sister and I, her name's Angel, I would say that we definitely have had a closer relationship than my older sister and her. I mean, two years isn't that big of a difference, but I don't know if it was my personality. Uh, but with that gap, I didn't really have too much tagging along mm-hmm. um, from Angel. Uh, but I know that we were close in the sense that she did want to do you know what older brother Mm -hmm. and sister was doing yeah um, when she was a toddler age and and trying things out so we had a little bit of that but not too much I just remember that my brother I frustrated him a few times a few times I got to tag along but um, just brought back a memory so you grew up in the Nazarene church Um, like how was that growing up in the Nazarene church was that something that you went to church with your parents and you listened and when was it like that was their faith, but when did it kind of become your faith? When did you go, you know, I, I believe I believe what I'm hearing and I want to engage this? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. The Church of the Nazarene was all I ever knew, and I didn't really know the difference in the Church of the Nazarene or the Baptist Church or the Church right. of, you know, when you're younger, you just go to church with your parents. Right. Um, and so grew up there in um, elementary school, started doing children's Bible quizzing. And continued that through 
couple years into high school doing the teen Bible quizzing. Mm-hmm. And about the age of 11, um, I think it was, when I realized I was a sinner, I needed forgiveness. Mm. It was a Wednesday night worship service, and I asked my mom if she would go to the altar with me wow. to pray to ask Jesus um, to be my Savior and to come live in my heart. So it was about that age, you know, right when adolescence, preteen age, mm-hmm. where I would realize, like, hey, there's something going on here right. that I need to own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was about, a, about 11 years old um, when that happened in my life. Very good. Pastor Billy, uh, and I forgot to mention this at the beginning, that you're the college and young adult pastor here at uh, Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later in the program. But uh, I relate to, now I was about five when I first came to Christ, but I remember at a youth camp when I was 12, so about the same age as you were, kind of maybe recommitting or... I call it, you know, going deeper because I had really no reason to recommit since I hadn't really strayed from the upbringing uh, that I had been brought up in. So just share about after that experience, kind of maybe how that changed your life or how that experience impacted your life and uh, whatever you want to share about that, maybe particularly in your teen years. Yeah, so that's when the journey began, and um, I always valued going to church for some reason. There was always something um, rooted deep within me that felt like I needed to be there. Um, However, uh, into my teenage years, around the age of 13, and it lasted for seven or eight years uh, of my life, I would definitely define that period of my life as being a lukewarm Christian, Mm. um, living in a a sinful Christianity, and that doesn't even make sense. (laughs) But um, I had one hand holding on to the reputation of the good church Mm -hmm. kid um, who knew the Bible, who went to youth group, um, but also had a hold of the world and Mm -hmm. lust of the flesh and things that I wanted, um, that I desired. And so I continued to go to church. There was never a moment where I strayed from the church or strayed from, from the faith completely. I always, even in the season where I was living in sin, in known sin, I still went to church. I still leaned in. I think part of that was because, in my own mind, I justified myself as being good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the Bible clearly tells us that we are not saved by our works. We're not right. saved by our goodness or our own righteousness, but by faith in the yeah. finished work of Christ alone. But through those years of my life, I would always justify well, if this is going well in my life, if I'm meeting this standard mm-hmm. or doing this and showing up and saying the right words then God will be okay with the other sin that's happening in my life. And so I would constantly justify before myself like, and bought the lie that somehow I could be good enough to earn the love and and grace and righteousness that only God could give me. It was the beginning of your journey. And so that was your teenage years. And then, so you graduate high school. And how did you end up in Harrisonburg? Yeah, so came to Harrisonburg on a um, baseball scholarship to play baseball at JMU. I was probably 17. I ha- I'll go back just a bit. I was probably 17 when I felt the Lord calling me into ministry. Okay. And at that time, I was still in that state of just living this lukewarm, sinful Christianity, or what I would say articulate it as. And the Lord was drawing me into ministry, but uh, you know, I had baseball dreams and I came to JMU to pursue those mm-hmm. baseball dreams. I felt like this was the place that God wanted me to go to mm-hmm. pursue my dreams. And so um, 
Yeah, so that's how I ended up over here in the valley and came here in 2009 um, to begin my journey at JMU. And uh, yeah, I got plugged in at the church naturally. Like I said, I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. And so um, my great uncle, who was the pastor of my home church, kind of reached out to the pastor that was um, here at the time that was uh, and had been here for a long time, Pastor Kerry Willis. And so he hooked me up with a couple in the church that kind of became my parents away from home. And Mm -hmm. so uh, they would give me rides to and from church. Um, Once I brought my vehicle into town, they would give me rides so I could pick it up and use it on the weekends. And um, Tammy and Derek Weiss were a gift to me in that way because they just loved me um, practically. They would take me to church and whatever I needed. And... um, so yeah, stop me if you want to ask another question. I'll just keep going. But, yeah, uh, that's good. I started getting to know Pastor Kerry as well, and um, he started growing closer to him, and um, he became my mentor, I would say, that year, uh, although I would have not articulated it in that way. But I had a lot of good mentors around me in college that kept my eyes focused where they should be looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so college years were a completely new journey. For me personally and in my faith, mm-hmm. um, and God was certainly doing a refining work in my life through those years. Yeah, that's good. So you said God was calling you to JMU for your ministry, right? And in fact, it seems like uh, there's some things that have happened in Harrisonburg that have been God's will for you. So it sounds to me like God did bring you here. So what has happened? You graduated People uh, around here, around Harrisonburg First Church, may know some of your story, but there's probably some people listening today that um, have no idea the connections you made beyond that and beyond what they've heard so far. Yeah, yeah. And so um, during my college years, I continually felt the Lord pressing into my heart that ministry um, was the direction He was leading me, and I had no idea what that looked like. I just knew. I'll play baseball as long as I can mm-hmm. play baseball. And then when that's over, God, and then we'll talk about ministry. <laughs> and so, but it was it was year after year in college that uh, gradually that dream began to be pulled back and um, away from me. And throughout college, I was learning and teaching and um, helping lead in Fellowship of Christian Athletes and certainly had opportunities here and there to do some speaking. Um, and baseball ultimately... Baseball ultimately didn't work out the way that I had hoped and planned. But God, as you have said, God had better plans for Mm -hmm. me um, because he is so gracious. Right. And um, he doesn't always give us what we want because he knows what we need. Amen. So true. um, And yeah, so my junior year of college, I was introduced to a young lady here at the church who is now my wife. um, (laughs) And we got to know each other. And within a year, we were engaged uh, to be married. And so I... I began to say, okay, God, maybe this is why you brought me here. And in that same time frame, the Lord was kind of giving me a heart for reaching my own generation mm-hmm. um, in ministry. And so I reached out to Pastor Kerry. And after a couple conversations and praying about it, um, shared a vision with him, like kind of what God was speaking to me. And it kind of connected with what God was doing in his heart. And mm-hmm. so um, the summer after my senior year of college, I did an internship here. And came on staff the following fall mm-hmm. in the position that I'm holding at the time. And through all of that, the baseball dreams were let go of for God's dreams. And uh, 
like you said, it's certainly a journey that we're on. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't an overnight sort of thing. It's been a, it's been a day by day, week mm-hmm. by week, year by year, um, as the Lord's continually refined me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to share this part about my story um, for some people who kind of, because this, I got to rewind a little bit, uh, if that's okay. Absolutely. So when I was in college, at the age of about 20 years old, I was brought to a place I was at home for the summer. Summer baseball had ended, and I was brought to a place of brokenness over the sinful, lukewarm mm. Christianity that I'd been mm. living in. And um, the Lord basically said to me, Billy, I want it all. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the altar at that small-town church of the Nazarene in Kentucky that I grew up in, and I fell to my knees and asked for forgiveness. Mm. Uh, I repented and told the Lord that he was going to have to to have victory and purify me because I had no power in myself to live right. live the way that he wanted me to live. And so I felt the Lord move in and through me um, in those moments at the altar. Mm-hmm. And what we talk about in the Church of the Nazarene is this idea of entire sanctification, mm-hmm. um, being made perfect in the love of God. And for so long after that, I pointed to that moment mm-hmm. as the moment of my entire sanctification. But God's done... God's done new things in my life over the last two years. And what I would say is that moment was a renewed moment of repentance. Mm -hmm. But even in those moments, I didn't really allow God to entirely set me apart. Yeah, Um, I I still held on. There was still part of my heart that was Mm -hmm. holding on to things that I desired. Yeah, I think that there are times when we can look back and we go, man, I thought I gave that up. You know, I thought that happened then. And you know, I wouldn't discount what happened that night because obviously it was a very uh, important moment in your life. And maybe at that point you released it as much as you knew how to. But then God, we know in sanctification that it is that one time when we lay it on the altar, but it's a continual giving up of ourselves and surrender um, to the God that saved us and purifies us and sanctifies us it happens once but it happens daily you know it's a continued and I think in my life I have felt I thought I dealt with that but then there's times when I realize that God is calling me to really release something on a deeper level than I even knew how to do before so I don't know if that speaks to what you went through or not Um, that night I doubt that you were going well I'm holding on to this but we realize later that we are Mm. still holding on to something that um, we need to let go, and God shows us, and he gives us the grace to let it go. So I have a question. You have grown up in the same denomination. I mean, you went to church with your parents. You came here. You picked right up with um, back in the Nazarene Church, and you've kind of been here ever since you showed up in Harrisonburg. And there has to be a time when, as children, we kind of carry the faith of our parents. But at some point— we have to go from our parents' faith to when it is absolutely our faith, like we are 100% engaged in the mission of God. And can you look back and, like, pinpoint, like, when that happened for you? Like, when you were there because maybe you had to be, but then down the road at some point, maybe you were there not because you had to be, but because that's just what you did with your parents. But when did it become yours? Yeah, it's another good question. I always had this deep desire in my heart to know God and mm-hmm. um, to go deeper with Him. 
when I would read the scriptures early on, especially in high school, mm-hmm. there was always something missing. Like, God, what am I missing? The people that these men and women of the Bible, what they had. Mm-hmm. What do I not have that they had? Right. And so there was always this longing, and it seems like I could never figure it out, no matter how good I tried to be or whatever. There was no way um, in my um, understanding that I could figure out what exactly it was. And so from an early age, I probably owned my faith in a way uh, more than many my age. But when that moment of realization um, came into my life, in what I'm just referring to, that mm-hmm. deeper understanding was mm-hmm. was the summer after my um, college graduation when I was doing an internship here. And Pastor Kerry was speaking of being a sanctuary mm. of the presence of That's God. That's good. And something clicked. It was in an all-staff meeting, and he was sharing the devotional, and something clicked in me, and it was like God was like, that's what you've been looking for. Mm. That's the answer to the faith that you have felt a longing for. The power and the love of God is this idea of being a sanctuary of God's mm-hmm. presence, of truly not just trying to act right and obey these mm-hmm. laws or, right. or, and check the list off, but truly allowing God to inhabit you, um, to fill you with his power and mm-hmm. his love through the Holy Spirit. And so um, that's what, it, when you ask the question, that's what comes to mind would mm, have been good. that summer. It, it just kind of took on new new life in me when God revealed that and opened my eyes to this idea that we could have victory through his power mm-hmm. by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We become sanctuaries of the presence of God. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, so that moment in, in that yeah, all-staff meeting in 2013 would have probably been that moment for me. That is awesome because I'm sure there are people listening today that they've grown up in church, they've went to the church they go to because their parents have taken them there. And it's just a good thought for all of us to really question whether is my faith my own? Have I owned this? Or uh, am I still doing this because someone else does it or that I have uh, a requirement on me to be in church um, somewhere And so thank you for being able to go back and just pinpoint that. And that sounds like the very thing I was looking for is that time when you really sensed the Lord coming in and taking up residence in what I call low-class housing, right? Mm. Yeah, certainly. (laughs) Pastor Billy, uh, I've enjoyed, uh, certainly we're good friends. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned that summer because that fall when you first started here, You lived with me for a few months uh, while you were engaged to Hillary, just about nine, ten months or so. And uh, so it's cool to hear. I mean, I could see it in your life, but I figured it was probably, you know, earlier I had met you. I didn't know you too well in college, but I had met you a few times. And actually, I think I remember that night you and Hillary first met. I believe it was after a revival service, the college young Mm -hmm. adult group. Dad had taken some of them or invited some of them to go to Applebee's. But uh, as you were talking about uh, the summer after your freshman year of college and kind of coming to a point where um, you surrendered um, your life, maybe your plans, like you said, you felt like God's plan for you was to come to Virginia so you could continue your dreams and what uh, he had for you. But just talk about what surrender looks like. You talked about it. I mean, you shared a little bit about how, you know, you realize God had ministry for you, but you're like, well, I'll deal with that after I'm done with yeah. baseball, which mm-hmm. was your plans. 
But you, uh, you know, I think in the years following that, you kind of began to have to surrender those dreams in a way you probably didn't think you would have to. But I think you can say for those listening that God, and this is something I read in a devotional recently, that we have to surrender our will to God. And it's not always going to be easy. It can be painful, but he certainly has better things planned for us than we have planned for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And even after that night, like I said, um, I still I still held on in the corners of my heart of that dream that somehow God was going to make the baseball situation work out for my good and his glory. At least that's what I hoped. Yeah. And so it wasn't until uh, my senior year, uh, the season had just begun, and um, junior year hadn't gone so well. We had some transitioning coaching, and uh, so the senior year had just begun. We were just a little bit in. And I read this scripture um, in a book that I was reading, and it comes from James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, and it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And it was almost as God audibly in my room said, This isn't going to be over until it's over. Mm. And so it was like God gave me another revelation um, right before my senior year of baseball in college and was like, this is for your perfecting, this is for your maturity so that you cannot lack that which um, I want to be present in you. Um, So I had a moment there where I realized like, okay, that dream is not part of God's plan. Mm -hmm. And um, like you said, Grayson, it wasn't it certainly wasn't easy, even after God kind of spoke that to me through his word, as we often do. We kind of push back and are like, are you sure about that, God? Did I? <laughs> did you say that right? Can you retype that? But he spoke that to me. And so um, I'll never forget when that kind of jumped out. Like, no, this isn't going to be over. Um, and there's going to be more to come uh, in your perfecting, in your maturity. But this is what I'm going to give you for now. <laughs> and so college finished up and um, I got married and if anyone has married you'll know that marriage is a perfecting relationship and so mm-hmm. what I mean by that is it is you don't realize how selfish you are till you yeah. <laughs> till you're in close proximity with another human being every single day and so even in the years of marriage and this summer will be five years but even in the time I've been married so far God has just used my marriage and my wife to constantly bring me to a new uh, place of surrender, mm-hmm. a fresh place of surrender, and um, uh, so that I can be mature and mm-hmm. not lacking the love that he desires to pour into my heart. And so like I said, there was more to the story. So two summers ago, um, 2017, went through this another difficult, difficult trial um, in my life, and it brought me to do certainly to my knees, but to a place of complete dependency upon God. And I can say that uh, many things that I had battled immensely with, temptations uh, of lust and pride and those sorts of things, uh, God brought me to a place that summer Mm. in June of 2017. And it was on the sitting on the bathroom floor of my townhouse Mm. that I just laid it all out to the Lord um, as he had opened my eyes to sin that so easily entangles. Mm. And I can testify that today he has me in a way that he has never had before mm. um, it, it was it was a moment of surrender where certainly God has delivered me from many of those things given me greater victory than I've ever known 
But it was even in surrendering pride mm-hmm. in my family and my wife. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say that, it's not because I don't love them, but it's because um, he wants uh, their gifts. It's, it's all a gift. And so if we don't give it back to him, then we want control. And, and right. so um, I laid it all out to him and um, kind of gave him um, what I've heard said in the last few months as the blank contract to my life and said, mm-hmm. here you go, God. And I can say that today he has me. He's been filling me fresh and new mm-hmm. with his love, with his holy love. Right. And when, when we're filled with the holy love of God, it excludes the room for sin in our hearts. Right. Amen. And yeah. so, so the love of God is primary and the exclusion of sin is secondary. But it does happen because his love fills us and transforms mm-hmm. us. And so I just, I'm just grateful for his mercy. Yeah, you talk about marriage, and, you know, it is a place that we're faced with um, our own desires and our own wants and needs. And I heard someone once say that when you're in a marriage, it's not a 50-50, but it's 110%. Mm. And I just think that's so true. And um, I'm coming up on my 29th year of marriage and two kids that are in their 20s now, and God continues um, to use those relationships uh, to really be a litmus test um, for how surrendered I am, you know, and he is faithful. He has been so faithful in our lives, and uh, it's been yeah. such a joy to watch um, just you mature from that young guy that showed up here, parked that red truck out here on the parking lot, and um, go to JMU and just get graduating, becoming a part of the staff, and uh, becoming a young married man, and then you have one little one and the other on the way. Would you like to tell us a little about that? I'm sure that becoming a father and having two, well, one at this point and another one on the way, just continues to bring you joy and keeps you in a place um, of trust in the Lord with a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um our first little one is two and a half, and so we're expecting another one here in the next two or three months. And yeah, the journey of, of becoming parents has certainly been another a refining and joyous experience mm-hmm. in our lives. And just leaning into God to learn what that means to be a family, to be a team um, that's truly focused on the mission of God. So. I wonder, uh, as you were going through some of these times and coming to that place where you realized that there are things in your life that were not what God would call his best for you. When you had those moments, um, there's times that it would be easy to hide that, to maybe sweep that under the rug and yeah. maybe talk to God about it, but not really be open. And I don't think you did that. I think that you had um, accountability around you. Could you speak just in the last minutes of the importance of accountability um, as believers, as we walk this journey, yeah, and um, I would say my greatest accountability now. Um, well, our greatest accountability is the Holy Spirit if we right. belong to God. Absolutely, um, if we're truly living um, open to Him and obedient yes, to Him. Absolutely. And um, now would probably be my wife next to that. Um, she calls me into a higher level of accountability mm-hmm. than any mentorship I've ever had. But right. certainly, accountability is not an option. Uh, right. Accountability and discipleship, having a mentor, is not really an option if we really want to mature and become 
the person that God has created us to be. Right, right. Um, because the enemy is, he's deceitful. He's a liar above all else. But um, with another person in our lives, speaking truth um, in love, but speaking truth, um, it just calls us, it calls us up to a higher level of holiness right. that God has, has designed us and invites us into. Right. Very good. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, Pastor Billy. And we're glad, uh, like uh, we said earlier, that uh, God had better plans for you than maybe you had for yourself and uh, is using you to minister to kids at the same age where you came to that deepening in your relationship and came to that place where you began to surrender more deeply your plan for his plan. And so thank you for sharing that with us today. And Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Pastor Billy Logan's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.